Psalm 113 Give praise, you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed from this time forth forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, let the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Psalm 113 Isaiah 26 and 3 and 30 and 15 Oh God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on you. For in returning and rest, we shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be our strength. The Lord's Prayer Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever Amen.
Hi everyone, my name is Ariana Stansberry. I am a Jamaican black female alto saxophonist originally from Jamaica and currently residing in Connecticut, USA. I'm here performing for you today as part of the Berkeley Anywhere concert series. This series features different artists every single Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so be sure to be tuned in for the next episode. The first song you heard me play was Versace on the Floor by Bruno Mars. The second song you'll hear me sing and play is called Because of Who You Are. It is a gospel song originally performed by Vicky Yohi. Enjoy.
Thank you again so much for watching. At this time, I would like to encourage you. day-by-day podcast brought to you by forward movement we're glad you're here and hope you'll share us with your friends today is friday may 27th today's reading is matthew chapter 7 verses 26 and 27 And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The footings for an elevator addition to the city hall were five feet below the existing foundation. After inspecting the forms, I looked up at the black storm clouds and then asked the construction superintendent, When are you pouring the concrete? He replied, Tomorrow. I told him, in that case, he might want to cover the excavation and keep the water away from the existing footings. Later, his boss brought back a change order for the extra protection. I told him about a two-story masonry house just a few blocks away. To meet the building code, the builder had excavated several feet below the existing shallow footing. The night that the elevator footings had been protected, the masonry house had split in two, and half the house slid into the adjacent hole during the rainstorm. His face turned white. He put the change order in his pocket. He had not recognized the risks. So often, we have no idea either. Pray for the Diocese of Western Louisiana of the Episcopal Church. In today's Moving Forward, how firm is your foundation? I am Rex Peterson author of this month's Forward Day-by-Day Meditations. A prayer attributed to St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. It is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Amen. I'm Helen Vancouvering.
from Lexington, Kentucky, and it's my pleasure to pray with you today. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Join the discussion about today's devotional at prayer.forwardmovement.org, where you can also find a full list of today's scripture readings, more daily prayer resources, and information on how to subscribe to the print edition of Forward Day by Day. This podcast is produced by Forward Movement, a ministry of the Episcopal Church. Make a donation or explore our full catalog of books, small group studies, and personal spiritual resources at forwardmovement.org. May God bless you and those you love this day and always.
Inside that classroom, terrified students calling 911, begging for help. The new images as some children were rescued, fleeing to safety. Outrage from families tonight, as well as the governor, our reporter, pressing for answers. Who is going to be held accountable? Also tonight, massive protests outside the NRA convention, held just hours from the shooting site. Inside, former President Trump speaking to members what he just said about gun control. Severe weather snarling traffic across the East Coast and grounding more than a thousand flights. Tornado warnings into the night just as tens of millions take off for the holiday weekend. Plus, the baby formula shortage is getting worse, hitting 70% out of stock nationwide. The new action the government is taking. And the blockbuster trial between Johnny Depp and his ex-wife Amber Heard. The vicious accusations during closing arguments. The case now in the hands of the jury. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. 
And good evening. I'm Tom Yamas in for Lester tonight. It was a gutting admission today from Texas law enforcement that a decision was made not to enter the classroom where the gunman was with an entire fourth grade class for almost an hour. Police admitting today that was a mistake. We also learned that for much of that hour, there were 19 police officers outside the door who did not go in. We've shown you the video of frantic parents outside the school pleading with officers to go in. Today, we learned that there were children inside the school calling 911, one of them begging, please send the police now. Still, they did not go in. 19 children and two teachers were killed. When asked how many lives could have been saved if they acted earlier, the official could only say, I don't know. New images tonight of the moment some children were able to escape the school. You can see them right there being evacuated out of windows. Now in the small town of Uvalde, grief is turning into anger as the community grapples with the reality that at least some lives could have been saved. Our team is on the ground covering it all tonight. We begin with Morgan Chesky, who questioned that law enforcement official today. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Today, a stunning admission. It was a wrong decision, period. There's no, no excuse for that. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Stephen McCraw declaring police on the scene were too slow to act and should have stormed the classroom sooner. There should have been an entry at that as soon as you can. Officials say as many as 19 officers were in a hallway by 12.03 p.m., but the door to the fourth grade classroom with the shooter inside was not breached until 12.50, 47 minutes later. The decision to wait made by the chief of police for the school district, who officials say believed it was a barricaded subject situation, not an active shooter. He was convinced at the time that the, there was no more threat to the children and that the subject was barricaded and that they had time to organize with the proper equipment to go in. In retrospect, from where I'm sitting right now, clearly there was kids in the room. Clearly, they may have been shot but injured. And it's important for life-saving purposes to immediately get there and, and render aid. While officers were in the hallway, terrified children and teachers were calling 911. She identified herself and whispered, she's in room 112. At 1210, she called back in room 12, advised her multiple dead. Young kids begging for police to help. At approximately 1243 and 1247, she asked 911 to please send the police now. The door was ultimately opened, not by a response team using force, but with a janitor's key. We also learned the gunman fired more than 100 times within the first four minutes alone and arrived with more than 1,600 rounds of ammunition. The door he used to enter the school with was supposed to be locked, but had been propped open by a teacher just minutes before the shooter got there. Many of the details different than those first reported by officials. As everybody has learned, the, inf the information that I was given turned out in part to be inaccurate and i'm absolutely livid about that a democratic congressman is now calling for the fbi to investigate the response here yep. who is going to be held accountable well first of all we welcome the fbi they play a vital role and again this is about finding facts and reporting facts as quick as we can and today new photos show children climbing out of windows fear in their eyes desperate to escape the horrific scenes inside. It's how Jaden Perez and many of his friends got out. He's a fourth grader at Rob Elementary. What went through your head as you saw that happen, Jaden? Uh, um, am I going to die? Do you think you'll ever feel safe going back there? No. 
so hard to hear that from those children. Morgan Chesky joins us now from outside the school in Uvalde. Morgan, I understand you have some new reporting tonight that's just in. It was actually the Border Patrol that ultimately made the call to move in? Tom, that's right. According to two senior law enforcement officials, they say that Border Patrol tactical units arrived here at Rob Elementary around 12.15 Tuesday afternoon and were instructed by local police to wait and not engage the gunmen. But after about 30 minutes went by, they overruled that guidance and those federal agents moved in. Tom? All right, Morgan Chesky leading us off tonight. Morgan, we thank you for that. That stunning admission that police made the wrong decision, waiting so long to try and enter the classroom, sparking new outrage tonight. So what do the families who have lost so much think? Sam Brock now with that part of the story. As the weight of a mass shooting Friends. brings a community to its knees, parents in South Texas are demanding more from the agencies tasked with protecting their children. These are children, fourth graders, children. That little girl should not have to have covered herself in blood to survive that time frame that it took to get in and rescue her. For these moms from San Antonio, they say accountability above all else is what they're looking for. I trust that when I send my children to school each day, that they're going to be safe, that their school resource officer is going to be there, the doors are going to be secured, and that the local police are going to take action. The Texas State Public Safety Director today unable to explain why the school resource officer wasn't on campus or why the on-scene commander misjudged an ongoing active shooter threat. We're not here to defend what happened. We're here to report the facts. How does that sit with you? That's cold. Yeah. That's cold. Brutal. Very brutal. There's, there's no compassion. Mm -mm. For one grandmother, whose little princess, 10-year-old Eliana Torres, was taken in an instant, she wants answers to a tragedy that will haunt her for a lifetime. You know, how did he get in there? Why weren't the, the school doors locked with chains? You know, or, or why weren't even the, the classroom doors were, were locked? Why? Sam Brock, NBC News, Uvalde, Texas. So many questions. And now a federal investigation into the actions of police there has already been requested. Experts say the police decision to hold back defied what officers are trained to do, to act quickly. Here's Miguel Almaguer. As police waited to take down the gunman in Uvalde, experts say that decision cost lives. The roughly hour and 20 minutes from the first to final shots should have never elapsed. What was happening inside the classroom, former officers say, was not a barricaded suspect, but an active shooter. That's an active scene. We have to go in. Even if that shooting stops, it is 100% wrong that it, that it ever transitioned into a barricaded suspect. The shooter will divert their attention to us. So we will engage the shooter. During that time, he is not killing students. He's not killing staff. The Texas Commission on Law Enforcement says time is the number one enemy during active shooter response. And the number one objective of police should be to stop the killing. Instead, 19 officers waited in a hallway for 47 minutes as children in the classroom called 911 and begged police for help. I really don't have words at this point for it. Even if, if I was standing there and an incident commander told me, you know, you've got kids inside a room, you have an armed shooter who's already fired numerous shots, we're going to wait. Well, good luck. I'm not waiting. I'm going in by myself. The Uvalde School District had recently doubled its security budget and held an active shooter drill in March. As long as there's kids and as long as there's 
Someone's firing. You go to the gun. But this time, they didn't. Is there any scenario in which waiting for over an hour is acceptable? In this situation, no, not at all. You have to go in, uh, no matter what, no matter the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Officers were saying, well, they were afraid of being shot. Are you scared? Yes. But you do what you're trained to do. And uh, if you take your oath seriously, then you hazard yourself. Tonight, tragic mistakes with unspeakable and unbearable consequences. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. And tonight, we're also tracking large protests today outside the annual NRA convention held not far from the site of the shooting. Inside, former President Donald Trump headlined the event. Garrett Haig is there. The national debate over guns moving to downtown Houston as hundreds of demonstrators protested attendees at the NRA's annual meeting. Please promise me you will get in their faces before another child is shot in their face. With former President Trump, the headline speaker, weapons forbidden from the hall. As always, in the wake of these tragedies, the various gun control policies being pushed by the left would have done nothing to prevent the horror that took place. Absolutely nothing. Texas top two Republican elected officials canceling their in-person appearances in the wake of the Uvalde massacre. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick writing that despite his strong support for the Second Amendment, he did not want to bring additional, quote, pain or grief to the families of those suffering in Uvalde. In a pre-recorded message, Texas Governor Greg Abbott arguing gun control doesn't reduce crime. There are thousands of laws on the books across the country that limit the owning or using of firearms. Laws that have not stopped madmen from carrying out evil acts on innocent people. Among the 14 acres of guns, gear, and ammo exhibited here, attendees divided over how elected officials might prevent more tragedies like Uvalde. No one can own a weapon unless you're 25 years old. 25? 25. That's my thinking. When you hear some of the stuff that gun control advocates kick around after a shooting like this, like raising the age like to make it 21 maybe to buy a long gun or things like red flag laws more background checks is any of that the kind of thing you would support no i think we really need to look at mental health all right garrett joins us now garrett you're outside the convention right now i'm curious what's the crowd temperature like there uh, it's high, Tom. There has been no violence here today, only shouting back and forth across the street between demonstrators and attendees here out in this Texas heat, a reflection of just how divisive this issue is. Tom. All right, Garrett Hake for us tonight. Garrett, we thank you for that. Now to the extreme weather tonight, making holiday travel a nightmare for millions. Rain, winds, even tornado warnings up and down the East Coast are grounding flights and slowing traffic. And if the weather isn't extreme enough where you're heading, the prices certainly are. Jesse Kirsch reports. From coast to coast, with nearly 40 million people expected to skip town for Memorial Day, tonight's summer's unofficial kickoff getting a bumpy start. Severe weather threatening up to 35 million people along the eastern seaboard today, with flash flooding, destructive winds, and tornado threats. FlightAware tracking more than 1,000 U.S. flights canceled, with more severe weather threatening the plains and upper Midwest tomorrow through Monday. Road tripping isn't stress-free either with gas prices soaring. We even thought about driving, but the cost of fuel is so expensive. I said absolutely not. Still, Hopper says the average domestic round trip flight this Memorial Day is nearly $400. 
We typically see higher prices heading into the summer months. But Hopper says strong demand and rising jet fuel costs are also helping push airfares up way beyond pre-COVID prices. And it's not just the airlines. Resort towns are facing worker shortages as the price of a summer getaway keeps climbing. Remarkably, AAA still expects more people to travel this Memorial Day than did last year. I kind of just stay home like every single time, so this year I made it. And looking ahead to summer, Delta Airlines just announced it's cutting about 100 daily flights from July into early August as it struggles to keep up with growing demand. Tom? Only going to add more pressure. All right, Jesse, we thank you for that. It was only good news today on Wall Street. The Dow closing up 575 points, jumping almost 2%. The S&P and NASDAQ gaining even more, breaking an eight-week losing streak. Okay, and we are back in 60 seconds with the new accusations today in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. The case now in the jury's hands. Stay with us. All right, we are back now with late developments in one of the most closely watched trials in years. The defamation case between actor Johnny Depp and his ex-wife, actress Amber Heard. The case is now with the jury. NBC's Stephanie Gosk was at the courthouse for the heated closing arguments. A celebrity trial nearly six weeks long with a star-studded witness list and more than 100 hours of testimony, both disturbing. The tip of Mr. Depp's finger was found in the same bar area and salacious. So we decided to have some lines of cocaine and some whiskey for breakfast. Every minute of it streamed live. How much of the trial have you watched on your phones? A, A lot. lot. Every day since the beginning. In closing arguments today, Johnny Depp's team called Amber Heard a habitual liar. What we have is a mountain of unproven allegations that are wild. Her team accused Depp of drug-fueled rages. Mr. Depp knows that he can turn into a monster. He knows that. Both actors say they were physically abused. It just hit me over and over and over again. And I thought, this is how I die. He's going to kill me now. Deb described the moment he says heard through a vodka bottle at him. I looked down and realized that the, the, the tip of my finger had been severed. Depp is suing Heard for defamation over a 2018 op-ed in the Washington Post. She called herself a public figure representing domestic abuse without mentioning Depp by name. It was defamatory and it caused irreparable harm. $50 million worth of harm, Depp says. Heard is countersuing for $100 million. The trial turned spectacle outside the courthouse. The crowd here mostly on Johnny Depp's side. I've loved him. I've been a fan of him since I was 13 years old. While some are concerned this unique civil case, regardless of the outcome, may make victims of abuse think twice before coming forward. I think it makes a mockery of domestic violence. Does that worry you? It does worry me because you have actual victims that maybe they won't be believed in the future because of this. All right, Stephanie Goss joins us now live outside that courthouse. So, Stephanie, remind us, what will the jury be deliberating? They have to do two things, Tom. They have to determine whether Amber Heard and or Johnny Depp lied, and then they have to decide whether they did it in malice, in other words, to do harm. Now, they've stopped deliberating today. They will be back again on Tuesday. Tom. All right, all eyes on that courthouse next week. Stephanie, thank you for that. And up next, the baby formula crisis has just gotten even worse. The new efforts to fix it.
And we are back now with new data showing the baby formula crisis has gotten much worse. The government today invoking the Defense Production Act again to ramp up production. Here's Jolene Kent. Nationwide, parents are desperate. The out-of-stock rate for baby formula skyrocketed to 70% last week. It's just not a good feeling to be on edge at every moment. Is my baby going to eat today? And now, both formula maker Abbott and the FDA are facing new scrutiny from Congress. Abbott manufactures 40% of the formula in the U.S. The company's voluntary recall and closing of its Michigan plant helped trigger the crisis. A sign of trouble came last September in a report to the FDA. An infant who became ill with a rare bacterial infection had consumed formula made at the Abbott plant. In October, an Abbott whistleblower sent FDA officials this 34-page document alleging that lax practices, including regulatory violations, were consistently overlooked and records were knowingly falsified on multiple occasions. In response, Abbott said this former employee was dismissed due to serious violations and since then has made evolving new and escalating allegations. But the company says it will thoroughly investigate any allegations. It wasn't until January 31st that the FDA sent a team to the Abbott facility to investigate. There they found evidence of bacteria in the powdered infant formula environment that can be deadly to infants. It took another two weeks before Abbott issued a recall. By now, three other babies had been hospitalized. Two of them had died. Abbott says there's no conclusive evidence to link our formulas to the reported infant illnesses, but the FDA has not ruled out the possibility of a connection. To help with the shortage, the FDA announced today that it will soon bring in one and a quarter million cans of formula from Australia. Tom? We will take it. All right, Joe, we thank you for that. When we come back, the outpouring of grief in Uvalde from near and far. Finally tonight, the pilgrimage of grief to support the victims of Uvalde. In Uvalde's town square, you'll find crosses and flowers and tears. Grown men on their knees trying to make sense of what happened here. And some, too young to fully understand, taking the first steps in saying goodbye. Nine-year-old Angela Villanueva was dismissed from Robb Elementary early the day of the shooting. Some of her best friends weren't so lucky. I knew a kid named Eliana. We were outside playmates from out of school. And Sabes um, Triste because um, she died. She, she was my, 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 my best friend. The morning stretches across this town and this state. Harry and Jeanette Cruz drove more than 90 miles from San Antonio to pay their respects. When I have my granddaughter tonight, I'm going to hug her and I'm going to make sure that I'll protect her as long as I'm alive. A mother and daughter making the journey, feeling compelled to visit the memorial after losing a son and brother to gun violence. Bring the kids some flowers, a little animal, I don't know. When I lost my brother, it was like the end of the world for me. That's how it was. So, you know, I had to come in. So many coming to Uvalde to show this community they are not alone, kneeling in prayer, taking a moment, and hoping that somehow, when the time is right, they can find the strength to move forward. In the midst of everything that is going on, God is still in control, and God will be with them through the whole process. We thank you for watching tonight. We know it's been a tough week. We are all thinking of Uvalde. I'm Tom Yamas. For all of us here at NBC News, good night.
Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top story. said today when he provided the only unpredictable moment in the unfolding story of mass murder at a Texas elementary school. The mass murder that occurred yesterday was predictable. We just couldn't tell you the exact location it was going to occur or the exact day it was going to occur. It is now predictable that a virtually identical shooting will occur again in Texas and other states. What has been said in the aftermath has also been totally predictable. But Beto O'Rourke's crashing the news conference chaired today by Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott was not predictable. Beto O'Rourke went to that news conference in Uvalde, Texas to listen and then to tell Greg Abbott and other Republican elected officials on the stage, quote, this is on you. No, we need to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk this over. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. until you choose to do something about it. That is what Beto O'Rourke said to the governor and to the other elected Republicans on the stage while Beto O'Rourke was being shouted down by the Republican mayor of Uvalde, Don McLaughlin, a sometimes guest on Tucker Carlson's Fox show. Beto O'Rourke was in New York yesterday and he was booked to appear on this program in this studio with me last night. But as soon as the news broke about the shooting in Texas, Beto O'Rourke rushed to the airport and flew back to Texas, suspending campaign events. His opponent, Governor Greg Abbott, did not suspend campaign events after he knew that 19 children and two teachers had been murdered in Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Governor Greg Abbott held a fundraising party while the parents of those dead children were heard screaming at the local civic center when they were told that the DNA samples they submitted matched the DNA samples of a murdered child. Those screams from those parents were coming from inside the civic center and could be heard by reporters outside the building. Those screams were not heard by Greg Abbott at his fundraiser that he was enjoying at the same time, the same time those screams were being heard. Senator Rafael Cruz has two daughters, one in high school, one in elementary school, but he knows he doesn't have to worry about what happens when they go to school because they don't go to a public school in Texas they go to a high-priced private school where these things do not happen. America is the country where you can always, 
always buy your way out of any problem. And Senator Cruz has bought his way up of worrying about what happens when his girls go off to school. Senator Cruz had nothing to say today, playing his part as an extra, standing behind Governor Abbott at the press conference. Yesterday, Senator Cruz explained exactly how to prevent school shootings like this. He said, we know from past experience that the most effective tool for keeping kids safe is arm law enforcement on the campus. That is the Cruz solution. That is the Texas Republican solution to school shootings, cops on campus to shoot and kill any mass murderers who show up at a school. Keep that Texas solution, that Texas Republican solution in mind as you listen to Republican Governor Abbott describe what happened. The first thing that happened was that the gunman shot his grandmother in the face. She then contacted police. The gunman fled, and uh, as he was fleeing, had an accident just outside of the elementary school, and he ran into the school. Officers with the Consolidated Independent School District, they approached the gunman and engaged with the gunman uh, at that time. The gunman then entered a back door and went down two short hallways and then into a classroom on the left-hand side. You hear that? Officers approached the gunman and engaged with the gunman. And after that, the gunman entered the back door of the school. Those officers had guns. Engaged with the gunman means very likely that they shot at the gunman. Didn't work. According to Senator Cruz, the whole thing is supposed to be over right there, right on that spot. Those officers are supposed to have no problem shooting and killing the moving target of the gunman running into a school. But the Cruz plan, the Republican plan, the Republican solution did not work. Multiple armed officers could not stop the gunman from entering a school and running down a hallway. The gun room uh, entered into that classroom, and the classroom was connected internally to another classroom. Border Patrol, Consolidated ISD officers, police, sheriffs, and DPS officers converged on that classroom. And a Border Patrol officer killed the gunman. Everything that the governor just described there took approximately an hour. We have new reporting at this hour that it was actually four, four Border Patrol officers who shot at the gunman, fired at the gunman. It took four of them firing at the gunman. They do not know which one of them fired the bullet that hit the gunman. But that's how many it took. Four. In addition to the two officers who couldn't stop the gunman from getting into the school. The gunman was barricaded in a classroom where he did all of his killing. And he had about an hour to do it because the Cruz plan, the Republican plan, did not work. The Republican plan to protect children and teachers in public schools did not work and does not work. Senator Cruz said yesterday, we know from past experience that the most effective tool for keeping kids safe is arm law enforcement on the campus. And in fact, we know from past experience and yesterday's experience 
that armed law enforcement on the campus does not work, did not work. There was armed law enforcement on that on the campus of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. And that did nothing. That law enforcement officer did nothing to stop 17 people from being murdered at that high school. The American Republic, Republican elected officials posing in that press conference today, those Texas Republican officials posing there, said that mental health is the problem. You just have to get mental health under control and there will be no more school shootings. That is the other Republican solution. And that, that one was completely contradicted on the spot, unwittingly, by Governor Abbott himself. There was no known mental health history of the gunman. And Governor Abbott also said there was no meaningful forewarning of this crime. And that was what provoked Beto O'Rourke to say to Governor Abbott, this was totally predictable. Governor Abbott described a series of posts on Facebook by the gunman beginning 30 minutes before he reached the school. The first post was to the point of, he said, I'm going to shoot my grandmother. The second post was, I shot my grandmother. The third post, maybe less than 15 minutes before arriving at the school was, I'm going to shoot an elementary school. The 18-year-old murderer used an AR-15, the favorite murder weapon of America's mass murderers. It is the single most important tool in making America's mass murderers the best equipped mass murderers in the world. And today, when that Republican press conference in Uvalde, Texas was over, America's mass murderers were still guaranteed, guaranteed by those politicians on the stage and by the Republican Party, that the Republican Party will do everything that the Republican Party can possibly do to continue to make America's mass murderers the very best equipped mass murderers in the world. All of our mass murderers can have all the AR-15s they want as far as the Republican Party is concerned. As soon as this mass murderer turned 18, on the very day he turned 18, he legally went out and bought himself an AR-15, because Governor Greg Abbott wanted him to be able to do that. And after he bought that one, he bought another one. And every elected Republican standing on that stage today wanted that 18-year-old to be able to buy as many AR-15s as he wanted to the day that he became 18. He entered the school with seven 30-round magazines which Democrats want to make illegal, high-capacity magazines. Democrats want to make those illegal. 210 bullets. That's what the murderer carried into that school, 210 bullets. And if the supremely brave Border Patrol officers who ran toward the sound of his gun, of the murderer's gun, did not reach him as soon as they did, that murderer 
was capable of killing 210 children in that school because Greg Abbott and Senator Cruz and Senator Cornyn and the rest of the Republican Party in Texas wants everyone in Texas to be able to buy high-capacity magazines, including whenever they are contemplating shooting their grandmothers in the face and murdering as many kids as possible in an elementary school. The Republican Party wants them to be able to buy whatever they need to do that. As long as they haven't committed a felony, and as long as they don't have documented mental health problems registered with legal authorities, then Texas Republicans want everyone, every everyone 18 years older, older in Texas to be able to attach as many 30 round magazines as they want to their brand new AR-15s. This is an American way of death supported by an American political party whose values on life and death are not shared by any other political party on the planet. It wasn't always this way. The rapper who goes by the pseudonym Machine Gun Kelly carries a passport with the name of Colson Baker on it. He took his stage name from Machine Gun Kelly, a famous gangster of the 1930s, whose real name was George Kelly Barnes. When the machine gun and sawed-off shotgun became the preferred weapon of gangsters like Machine Gun Kelly and John Dillinger, Congress, with bipartisan support, had no problem effectively outlawing machine guns and sawed-off shotguns in 1934. It seemed like the right thing to do. Congress could think of no reason why gangsters should be able to get Thompson submachine guns, which were developed for the Army as a weapon of war. Republicans supported outlaw outlawing machine guns. Democratic President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed the bill into law in 1934. Richard Nixon was the most right-wing Republican president of the 20th century when he was elected in 1968. He appointed Warren Burger as Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Warren Burger was a lifelong Republican from Minnesota who supported Republican Dwight Eisenhower's presidential campaign. Earl Warren served in President Eisenhower's Justice Department before President Eisenhower appointed him a federal appeals court judge in Washington, D.C. And it was from that position that Richard Nixon elevated Warren Burger to be the highest-ranking Republican-appointed judge in the land, Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. And five years after he retired from the Supreme Court. Lifelong Republican Warren Burger said this in 1991. If I were writing the Bill of Rights now, there wouldn't be any such thing as the Second Amendment. Which says? That uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the defense of the state, the people's rights to bear arms. This has been the subject of one of the greatest pieces of fraud. I repeat the word fraud on the American public by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Now just look at those words. There are only three lines to that amendment. A well-regulated militia. If the militia, which was going to be the state army, was going to be well-regulated, why shouldn't 16 and 17 and 18 or any other age persons be regulated in the use of arms the way an automobile is regulated? Fraud. The Republican Party has fully embraced a fraudulent interpretation of the Second Amendment to mean 
that the founders of this country intended for every 18-year-old in Texas and everyone older than that to be able to buy a 21st century version of a machine gun, an AR-15, and nothing can be done to restrict that right in any way. None of the founders believed anything like that. Evil swept across Uvalde yesterday. Anyone who shoots his grandmother in the face has to have evil in his heart. But it is far more evil for someone to gun down little kids. How evil is it to legally enable an 18-year-old to shoot his grandmother in the face? Is it evil to enable that 18-year-old to shoot and kill 19 children in their classroom along with both of their teachers? How evil is it to make sure that America's mass murderers can buy AR-15 assault weapons whenever they want to attach high-capacity magazines to them and carry as many extra high-capacity magazines as they can with them so that they may kill as many people as possible in the fastest possible time? How evil is that? Did evil sweep across the Texas legislature when they passed those laws and made sure that an 18-year-old could do all of that yesterday? Did evil sweep across Greg Abbott's hand as he was signing the law that allowed that 18-year-old to do what he did in that school yesterday? The official Republican Party position tonight is as it has been for many years now, America's mass murderers must be, absolutely must be, the best equipped mass murderers in the world, and the rest of us must live with or die with that unchangeable fact. The Republican Party position is those kids in Texas had to die because the Constitution says they have to die. The Republican Party is wrong. Do you want a solution? Stop selling AR-15s in the state of Texas. You want a solution? Have universal background checks. We don't have them. You want a solution? Red flag laws or extreme risk protection orders, which stop a shooting before it happens. You want a solution? Safe storage laws. Those are four solutions that have been brought up by the people of Texas. Each one of those has broad bipartisan support right now. We could get that done if we had a governor who cared more about the people of Texas than he does his own political career or his fealty to the NRA. And if you need any proof of that, check the schedule for the NRA's convention this Friday right here in the state of Texas. That was Beto O'Rourke noting that scheduled to speak at the National Rifle Association's convention in Houston, Texas, this weekend are Donald Trump, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, and Texas Senator Rafael Cruz. for me. 
hard as you size. Oh, fighting temptations be rough and steady. Line you up in this love. Pretty little thing, I'm in no rush. Oh, let me handle
things. Um, I prefer white here. I think this pawn will fall soon. Strong knight position. Flight square for the king. This guy can fall next. Oh, is there going to be a mate? Yeah, there might be a mate. Yeah, there was a mate right here. Looking for check. Multiple checks here. Checkmate next. These three pieces are enough to do it. Rebecca Harris threw in the towel. Boom. Checkmate next. Bishop there. Who is this? Is this a new account? Well, that was a big win. 21-20-20 is where we stand. 145 to go. Okay. IQP position. Giving up the dark square bishop, that's a bit surprising. Dark squares. Well, I gave up the dark square bishop just to go hunting. Better have a good reason to give that guy up. He wanted a pawn. He got it. Can't take on uh, this square after a rook exchange because black comes back over and places white in a pin. Okay. Still up a pawn. Sneaky. Now this is a passer. Very good coordination over here. You have to watch out maybe for some tricks here. Okay, now that this pawn is pinned, maybe queen takes here at some stage. Or bishop takes pawn and then queen takes here. So that's why we have the queen over protecting e6 now. I think everything is now glued together. Very good coordination. Oh, there's the queen takes h5 move with a pin. Or with a check. No perpetual here. Yeah, that's actually game over. Queens are forced off and that guy so fast. Okay, where do we stand? First place for the doctor. 22, 22, 21, 20. First five. Within two points of each other. Another pairing. The doctor versus Rebecca Harris. Going with the Carol Khan. Nice variety here. Don't take here too fast. Get hurt on f7. He's going pawn grabbing. Take with the queen, offer a queen exchange. Don't want that. And keep the queens on. Queen takes here. Development with tempo. Yeah. Oh, oh, a sneaky trick on f7. Very nice deflection from defensive g4. Nice shot there. So where are we at? Up a pawn. Team black. Endgame. Not the most healthy pawn here on e7. Uh, active rooks. Mm, king, not the happiest piece around. Yeah, flush the knight away. Pick up this. Now he's going for that move. Maintain a rook on the second rank. Very active. Central king. And now an outside pass pawn. I'm waiting to see how fast that pawn goes. And this knight just does not like having to stop this rook pawn. Is there... Is there even a good way? Surprised not to see one move in there. You know, just throwing in real quick, bishop to d6. But, you know, there's no stopping that guy. And I don't see any perpetuals. Yeah, the bishop offsets the knight. If the pawn gets here, it's guaranteed to get here next with the check and then a push. 
up a little bit on the clock is Rebecca Harris, but let's see. We'd love to have a knight and bishop exchange so you could pre-move this out. It's still going to be a little bit tricky to be expected with this guy still around. He's looking for a check. Watch out for the forks. Watch out for the forks. The knight is offset. Knight here it's, it ends up in a pin. He's looking to scoop up this pawn now. Uh, oh, okay, now it's going to be very clean. Yep, and you could pre-move out. 2.4 seconds, plenty. Got the W second time against Rebecca Harris. That puts him in first. 26 with fire. So a loss to start, a bunch of wins, a draw, and a beefy opponent, another one, Alexander Zubov. Oh, was this uh, opening gone wrong a little bit? I missed the beginning. Is it Smith Mora Gambit? Okay, let's see where the compensation is. White has the bishop pair. Gonna get this guy at the end? Yes. Even material now, but I like this position for black. Superior minor piece. Yes, this is excellent for black. White's gonna put a piece on this square too. Two strong minor pieces soon on the D file. Yeah, I think that this is uh, better for black. How to convert this. White, I think, needs to try and undermine this knight position, but it's not easy. You know, pawns are falling. You go here, and then g2 is that much more sensitive, so he's trying to eliminate one of these uh, majors. The queen has a responsibility, so black up a pawn. And going to be chased away. I think this is game over. H4 and you have to leave defense here. Check. Hey, the queen is around. Force the queens off, but why? Go for more. Queen takes here. Or not takes, just queen g1 next. Mate threat, no good solution. Black wins. Kicking off really with that strong knight on d4. So another L for Carlson. Second of the tournament. And another pairing against Rebecca Harris. Third. Throwing the Scandinavian at Rebecca Harris. Okay. Finketo system. Going to challenge this pawn with e6. Okay, he's giving up a big square on b5 to be sure. Repositioning the knight. Looking to hunt down c4. It is defended. Oh, not just, not just c4. That was just a pit stop. He's looking to circle into that d4 square, just like Zubov had in the last game. Strong knight on d4. Strong bishop in this case on d4. White is up a pawn, but it's a very unhealthy pawn, I would say. The pawn on b4. Nice sequence there. Picking up the exchange. Or, excuse me, two minor pieces for the rook. <sighs> it's happening so fast. Did you catch all that? <laughs> At the end of all this, black is up a pawn. These guys are too good. Way too good. <laughs> Rook and pawn ending. Uh, King and pawn ending will be, I guess, a draw. Oh, no, no, no. Just one key move here. Yeah. Now the rooks are exchanged, and the king will be able to sneak on over, pick up this pawn, and it'll fly. 
One king and pawn ending. Just one key move. Okay, this is a clever tactic, but fail. I believe the slippery penguin in disguise. Yeah, they've had, uh, they, they've played this opening before, too. I'm pretty sure this is the slippery one. <laughs> he has, uh, played under this account before. Okay. Ah, uh, queen was overloaded. Queen takes knight, queen takes knight. It's trouble for black. Big trouble. It's down two pawns now. Taking advantage of a pin. Oh, boy. oh, this one stings. Ooh, this one stings. It's one of those moves that stings. <laughs> There's some moves in chess that sting, and I, I just know from experience this one stings. <laughs> wow. Hits the rook, and the rook just doesn't have any good squares. One pawn move, and your second rank is covered. And uh, you're able to defend any fancy tricks. There's a dangerous knight that will arrive on f4, but you can work around it. Yeah, and he will gladly give some material back. The knight is back in the ballgame. Clever tactic, but fail knows the end is near. Okay, so where are we at here? He was in third. He is in third still. 33, 33, 30. There is only one player who has zero losses. J.S. Martinez. Okay, if I am not mistaken, I am boss. Is a 14-year-old I am. Forgetting the name. But he is incredibly fast. I was checking out some of his games during the warm-up event to this tournament. So fast. Okay. Giving up two minor pieces. They're giving up the queen and getting two minor pieces, huh? Okay. What's the follow-up, Carlson? I don't think this should be enough compensation. You're gonna, you're gonna sneak in here, Bishop F6. He's covering against that. He's getting a rook.